This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store, Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. from the ziggurat at Omaha in caverns deep below the metro area. It's our pleasure to welcome you to episode 661 from the Two Edit Nerd Comic Book Podcast. It just makes me feel weird just saying it. We're coming up on episode 666, dude. I know you're very excited. We're going to do a metal episode. It's going to be great. (laughs) I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick, and don't get me wrong, Wesley Snipes' blade was good looking, but... Most stylish Marvel character of all time? Really British GQ? Right. My name's Matt Baum, your head number two, and obviously they haven't seen Oscar Isaac and the Mr. Knight duds yet. Get with it, you wankers. In this nerve-gnawing episode, we are back to reviewing new comics, and then we're going to give you the skinny in our must-read picks for next week. After that, you'll get a taste of our THN Extra segment. Take a look. It's in a book club. That's where we review a whole graphic novel or trade paperback with our buddies. And this time, we're talking about Eric Gapster's first young reader's graphic novel, Sort of Super, with Jason Sachs and Brian Domingos. So get your helmets on, nerds, and strap in, because it's going to be a bumpy ride. And it all starts with review time in the cigarette. When it comes to reviewing new comics, we like to do it two weeks at a time. So we'll start with four comics from Wednesday, March 30th, and move on to four from this week, April 6th. If you want to read along with THN, you can always find our episode review list on our Twitter and Facebook weekly on Tuesdays. This time, the pile is lousy with new X number ones. Then we kick off DC Shadow War. We've got vampire road trip stories, but it all starts with a return of Astro City. Joe Patrick, let's get this rolling. All right. As Matt said, our first review is Astro City. That was then. It's a one-shot special from Image Comics written by Kurt Busiek with art by Brent Anderson. Here's your solicit. Astro City returns with an all-new special. I just said that. Who were the Jayhawks? How did they inspire five teen sidekicks looking for answers to hit the road in a rickety crime mobile in 1969? And how will this affect Astro City in the present? This one shot special features new and existing heroes and launches a mystery that will drive the forthcoming Astro City series. And don't miss the Astro City Metro book. That's just an ad for the new deluxe trade. So we don't need to read that. (laughs) Busiek and Anderson are back and they haven't missed a beat. Busiek's plot features a group of teen heroes from a more innocent time that really wasn't all that innocent at all, if you look closely enough. Something I've always loved about Astro City is that most of the heroes feel like they could be analogs of the ones we know from Marvel or DC, but they're actually really unique for the most part. Sure, you have Samaritan, the confessor, and the first family. But these Teen Titans stand-ins are completely different from Robin, Speedy, Wonder Girl, and the rest. And yet their teen hero identities are firmly rooted in familiar teen tropes from your parents' favorite oldies songs like drag racing, surfing, and, you know, being a genie. Don't forget Robot Kid. Oh, yeah, Robot <laughs> Kid. That tale is old as time. He was great. These young rivets is his name. Yeah. I love him. These young heroes are dealing with tremendous loss, striking out on their own to find a way to cope with their grief. 
only to find that the freedom granted by their mentors is fleeting. Busiek establishes that these young heroes have a far-reaching community of their own that's just as strong as that of their older counterparts, and that they're sacrificing just as much, but they're still kept on a short leash. It's a wonderful examination of what it means to be a sidekick in a world that has higher stakes than the ones that we might be more familiar with from the Silver Age of DC and Marvel Comics. Brent Anderson's art is a treat, as always, but colorist Alex Sinclair does a fantastic job bringing different styles to scenes from different time periods. It's the work of a longtime partnership that's greater than the sum of its parts. It's beautiful. I am so glad to have this series back. The world of comics is a better place with Astro City in it. This gets a huge buy it. Absolutely. I, this just felt like they didn't miss a beat. It, it just came right back and it's just as good as it was. And I don't think they ever really addressed characters like the teen Titan so much. Like there were definitely like they're sidekicks around. and stuff yeah. like that, but a team of sidekicks like this. And I love the design, the rally kid with the tires, with on, the his tires on his wrist. And like, yes. he had the racing yeah. helmet and the robot yeah. kid that's talking about growing up. Everyone else is like, you know, sort of like at an age where, well, I'm going to be like 20 soon. Should I still be a kid? Like I'm thinking about changing right. my yeah. name, thinking about quitting. And the robot kids like, yeah, I could update again and maybe be an adult. Who knows? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. It I was great. It. And, and touching on the fact, that like another group of kid sidekicks got killed and like i mean they defeated this thing they were fighting but they died and that really hadn't happened and everybody was sort of trying to figure out how do we where do we file this how do we deal with something like this and how do we even talk to our mentors about stuff like this and the mentors are also worried but want to give them space this is a great story just about like dealing with trauma period you know, whether or not you're a superhero, this was just beautiful. I loved it. Glad to have Astro City back. Huge buy it. Now we've had all our feelings. Let's talk about Immortal X-Men number one from Marvel. <laughs> Let's get real catty instead. Okay. <laughs> it's written by Karen Gillan with art by Lucas Wernick. Here's your solicit. In the quiet council, no one can hear you scream. Get it? Do you see what they did there? The Quiet Council rules the Krakoan Age for better, dot, 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 or for worse. Now, shaken by Inferno and X-Lives, X-Deaths of Wolverine, they strive to hold together no matter how much they want to tear each other apart. Writer Kieran Gillen, who we all know, I'm not going to read all the stuff that he's done, uh, returns to the world of X with artist Lucas Wernick, who recently worked on Trial of Magneto, to bring us all into the room where it happens. It being the most powerful people on Earth, deciding the fate of the whole planet. Prepare for sinister secrets to be revealed and learn that some secrets are more sinister than others. Okay, so first off, I just want to take a moment to raise our glasses to Mark Brooks for a truly amazing cover. It's so <laughs> yeah. cool. That guy, it's like all he does is group shots and they're always kick ass. God, I he's love him. become the, like, that's the he's the become that guy. He's the group you know? shot guy. Like whenever you want to do like, here's everybody the Thor's ever met. Bam. You know, <laughs> it's mm -hmm. just awesome. 
Kieran Gillen has proven to be a very clever writer. We all like him. I would argue his portrayal of Mr. Sinister is one of the most clever tricks he's ever pulled off, though. Gillen uses Sinister not only to introduce the entire Quiet Council while making fun of each one, and it is laugh out loud funny, which I gotta say is a nice change for the very serious tone of the X-Books of late. His most clever and I'd argue impressive trick is to boil the entirety of the recent X-Books down to one info page that really would bring any reader up to speed if this was their first X-Men issue. It's not just sinister, though. Gillen uses several characters to poke fun at the current X-Status Quo. Like he has a scene where Kitty talks about Hank McCoy and she says... Hank McCoy, the beast. She says, Hank used to be fun. Remember that before all the black ops, like, which is something we literally just said on this show. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) It seems Gillen is here to push Hickman's agenda forward and he's doing it in a very fun, catty and with soap opera flair for the dramatic. This is just too much fun to read. If you love these characters, where next art is gorgeous, clean line detail with amazing colors by David Curiel. While I didn't care for the Trial of Magneto, Werenix art was not the problem there, and it is even better here. I'm giving this a buy it. This was fun to read. Yeah, you know, I I loved this. Um, I I think that, you know, you and I were talking about... um, Outside of the show, we don't talk, so I don't know. I mean... (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, It it may not have been. It may not have been you. Uh, But I was talking with somebody about whether or not Gillen was the true successor of um, Jonathan Hickman or if it was Jerry Duggan. No, it wasn't you. And I'm sorry that I'm blanking on who it was, but uh, this happened online. Well, you're not Um, allowed to have any other friends, so we'll talk. Yeah, no, that's why I forgot their name. I was like, I don't know. Uh, No, uh, uh, but I think that Gillen is uh, is somebody that's proven that he can. Maybe he's not neck and neck with with Hickman's antics, but he's like right there. He's qualified to push the ball down the field. Certainly. For sure. For sure. One of my favorite things about the um, the early days of the Hawksbox stuff was the Sinister's Secrets. Yeah. Uh, that popped up here and there. And like, this is Gillen. Like, I think if Gillen back in the day when he was writing Uncanny X-Men for like the after it's like umpteenth relaunch and it was all about Mr. Sinister. And sometimes, Oh, sometimes Mr. Sinister is a lady. Sometimes there's three of them. Right. Who even knows he's yeah. got a beard today. Today's doesn't like when he was, when it was all Mr. Sinister all the time, I think that he would have been happy just writing that character. Oh, definitely. And like, he's so good at it, but there's also uh, the, a really clever thing he's doing with sinister here. It's not just like, it's not just the yes. fact that we think sinister is funny and they've definitely no, lit, no, no, not at all made yeah. the character, this snarky, clever character. All of a sudden the last page reveal makes so much sense. And you go, Oh, Oh, <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I love the idea that the Sinister plays the fool, but he is no fool. Right. Uh, and I think that that is a fun kind of theme for uh, for that character. He also and lets everybody I, know he's the smartest guy in the room all the time. Too. Well, sure. But even <laughs> even when they even when they believe he's an idiot, though, right. which is what I like, it's right. like everyone's like, oh, God. And he but he really is like he's yeah. he's 10 steps ahead. 
And that's so fun. Uh, this is a buy it for me. I thought the art was great. Yeah, fantastic. Dude I is, really liked it. Yeah, dude is coming up. He's really good. It will be easier if you don't resist and less dangerous. Who are you? What do you want with us? My name is Sinister. Mr. Sinister. From backstabbing to, I guess, front stabbing. It's Shadow War Alpha <laughs> number one. From DC Comics, it's written by Joshua Williamson with art by Victor Bogdanovich, uh, former Wolverine artist Victor Bogdanovich. Here's your solicit. When Deathstroke assassinates Ra's al Ghul, Talia al Ghul demands revenge and sends her League of Shadows to kill Deathstroke and Deathstroke Incorporated. So I, I, I just, I'm not sure how I feel about the whole Deathstroke Incorporated thing. Yeah. But Batman, <laughs> to be fair, I'm not current on the book, so whatever. Yeah. Batman and Robin must team up to track down Deathstroke and bring him to justice, dot, dot, dot. But do they? Expect over-the-top fights, action, mystery, and betrayal as this crossover event creates a major impact on the DCU. The action continues in April with Batman number 122. Thank you, whoever wrote that solicit. Joshua Williams it did, because he wants you to buy his Batman book. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, who can blame him, really? Uh, I am I am way behind on Batman, Robin, and Deathstroke, for that matter. So I really have no idea what's going on in the world of DC's Shadow Mercenaries. I know that Robin had a big fighting tournament. It's great. And that Deathstroke runs a company now, I guess, but that's about it. Uh, it appears that in recent events... Ra's al Ghul, Ra's al Ghul, Ra's al Ghul is dying again. The only thing for it is a dip in the Lazarus pit, but he's hesitant to do so. He's reflecting on a life of failures and seeing the happiness brought by his reunited daughter and grandson. So he tries a different tactic, turning himself in and offering his secrets to the world. Cue the events in the solicit. And we are off to the races. Uh, this does not really sound or look like a book that would be my cup of tea. Like, if you look at that cover, no offense to the person that drew the cover, it was not Victor Bogdanovich. It looks super 90s. <laughs> it's it's very yeah. extreme. Yeah. Like, even the, even the title lettering is like, yeah. Well, even the title of the comic, I was like, what are we getting into here? And, uh, right, right. And so, like, everything is stacked against it in my mind. But I really loved it. <laughs> Williamson does a great job setting up a compelling mystery full of interesting characters and neat twists. We even get a cameo by one of my favorite dumb 90s villains, Lockup. His whole job is to just be a prison guard, but with a mask. He locks people up. It's in his name. <laughs> but yeah, getting punched in the face by Batman is the least of what you deserve, dude. That's a fun well, question of the week. Favorite like character whose job is in their name, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, you know what? That is, that's actually really great. That's a good I like that. Uh, see also master jailer. Superman has one too. Right. Yeah. And it's like, why? Sue, he's, he's Superman. Like, what are you doing? Williamson also delivers a lot of really great character drama, especially between Batman and Damien. The two have been estranged for some time, and naturally Batman is way too emotionally stunted to just give his son a damn hug or something. I'm definitely hooked enough to follow this story and hopefully even catch up on those books that I'm behind on. The art by Victor Bogdanovich is good, but his super exaggerated cartoony style might not work for everyone. Personally, I think he draws a great Batman, but his anatomy and facial expressions can get a little wonky. I went into Shadow War Alpha with zero expectations and ended up having a blast. I'm definitely on board for the rest of this crossover. I should have trusted Williamson. This is strong work by Williamson, Bogdanovich, and the rest of the creative team. 
giving it a buy it. Yeah. You know what I liked about this? It just was what it was. Super straightforward. Like the story is Rachel Ghul got assassinated. Tally is pissed. Go. I'm heavy into that. There's no planets yeah. clapping into each other. There's no multiversal no. bullshit. There's no evil Batman with, you know, goth collars and fangs and shit. Yeah, chokers and <laughs> right. Yeah, right. It just is uh. what it is. And I love the League of Shadows. And you give me a page of a bunch of badass assassins with weird swords and costume, like into that. And I gotta say, I really like Bogdanovich. I thought his art was great. No, I think in this. he's I think he's really good. I will say Bogdanovich's style is very similar to what's going on in the Robin book. I thought the same guy was drawing it for a minute there. It's not. It looks really good, though. I had a lot of fun with this just because it was what it was. It's straightforward. It's going to be fun. Bunch of ninjas coming after, you know, Deathstroke. And spoiler alert, Deathstroke may or may not be responsible for this. (laughs) Yeah, well, and also like uh, the stuff with Talia at the end where it's like they came at Talia. uh, They came at Rashal Ghul. They came at Talia. They missed. They f-ed around and they're about to find out. Yeah. Because Talia is mad as hell. And now the League of Shadows is something way, 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 way worse. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that is really fun. Well, and I did not read the solicit. So when I started reading this, I was like, really? Rashad Ghoul is going to do this. I, I find this a little hard to believe. And then I turned the page <laughs> and went, oh. <laughs> and so yeah. it, it really surprised me. I'm giving it a buy it. This was fun. Let's move from Gangs of Assassins to Magic Gangs with Cities of Magic, number one from Scout. This is written by Will Tempest and Jacob Free with art by Will Tempest. Here's your solicit. Once upon a time in Old York, a gun-toning drifter wanders into Old York looking for something no one's ever seen before. He's picked a bad time. The forces of hyper-priestess Ismar Rothschild, the queen of the Chicago conglomerate, have attacked Old York. Caught in the midst of a decade-old war between two powerful magic clans, a drifter has to figure out where his loyalties lie, if he has any to speak of, and he's got to do it quick. Here in the Ziggurat, we love us a good dystopic future, and in this book, it's magic that caused the end of society as we know it. I think. 150 years ago, the Great Nexus, as they call it, came and effectively turned off the lights, rendering all electronics useless. Shortly after that, a group of explorers discovered a substance that allowed certain people to have what looks to be magic powers, but the creative team maybe building a little bit of mystery behind that. Tempest's art is very solid. He's got a ton of style to his line. Does a really nice job with the design of the book. The characters dress in colors to show that they are members of warring magic gangs, and they have this future D&D mage style to them that looked really cool. While magic seems to be the way the strong control the weak, there are others that shun magic and question where it came from, probably rightfully so. (laughs) While we didn't get much from the main character, they do a nice job setting up the status quo and putting that character in a predicament that looks to push this story forward. Cities of Magic has a strong premise and a solid creative team writing a story about magic gang warfare in the far future of an Earth with no technology. I had fun with this one, and I'm giving it a buy. Confession, I did not read it. Totally my fault. There was a miscommunication. We had some last minute changes to which books we were reviewing. I wasn't up to date. It's I missed it. So, so by default, um, buy it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Matt gives it a buy it. I mean, that's, you know, I, but I'll say this because I'm looking at it now. 
the art is good. It's it's really good. I agree with Matt. I really like the uh, the style. I, I like the kind of like thin line, bright color combo. Like it's it's really eye catching. Yeah, he's good. Um, you know, it reminds me of guys like uh, like Johnny Christmas. You know, where it's sure, like, sure, kind like of- super detailed, but like maybe and uh, but maybe slightly askew from reality you know like yeah. a little exaggerated but not super exaggerated visceral um, kind of if you will <laughs> yeah yeah kind of but this looks great i can't review it because i didn't read it but i think it looks really interesting i would tell you you know i'm giving it a bias maybe you should give it a read i'll just say that so you know i'm good it's <laughs> and now we move on to this week's comics april 6th First up, The Rocketeer, The Great Race, number one from IDW. It's written and drawn by Stephen Mooney. Here's your solicit. Celebrating the 40th anniversary of the very first appearance of The Rocketeer. A stunt pilot, Cliff Secord, has returned from his New York adventure to a West Coast steeped in paranoia over the looming war in Europe. I was gonna make. I was trying to make a Europa y joke, but it didn't come out. Sorry, yeah, it didn't. Sound like finally, <laughs> I know. Having finally had enough of his near death scrapes as the high flying rocketeer, the only thing in Cliff's crosshairs is the Great Race, a prestigious winner take all air race that runs from California to France. Maybe it's time to smarten up and fly straight. Dot 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 by taking his best girl Betty to Paris. But other parties want to win the race for their own nefarious ends. And Cliff will need to decide which prize is truly the most valuable of all. Uh, I'm not going to read this whole thing, but there's also a very fun um, first part of an oral history of Dave Stevens's Rocketeer, the creation of the character back in the uh, very early 80s. Uh, fantastic stuff. I will not talk about it beyond this point, but it's great. When Cliff is nearly killed trying to take down an undercover group of Nazi sympathizers, he swears to give up being the Rocketeer for good, but that was before he learned of the great race, an opportunity too good to pass up, especially if he wants to give Betty the life she deserves. Stephen Mooney delivers a very solid pulp adventure tale. Unfortunately, there are also very few surprises. It's well told. There's a clear plot and a hero that you absolutely want to root for, but it also feels like most of the recent Rocketeer stories you've read in the past. I'll go I'll go one farther now that I'm thinking about it. It feels like a lot of pulp era adventure stories that you've probably read or seen. Mooney also really lays on the old timey dialect and thick. Maybe I was in a mood. Maybe it was like super late and I was tired, but like it's it seemed almost Claremontian. And in it's like. Well, shucks, mister, I don't got the time for this. I got dames waiting on me. You know, it's like that kind of stuff. I'm certainly not one to say that it's out of place in a story like this, but it felt like kind of a lot for me. Mooney's art is unbelievably gorgeous, though. I know we've said it before about his other work in this genre, but he was absolutely born to draw pulp stories like this. Leno Grady's colors are a really nice compliment to Mooney's rich line art. They add a nice pop underneath the heavy shadows and textures. It's a great look. I love the Rocketeer. Sometimes I wonder if maybe that's just my nostalgia for the movie talking. I do enjoy these new stories featuring the late Dave Stevens as jetpack wearing hero, but nothing has ever really matched the charm of those original stories and the film that they inspired. I'm giving this a skim it with the caveat that maybe like I just 
it, it struck me at an odd time and I just wasn't in the right headspace for it because there's nothing really wrong with it. It's just like I read it and I was like, oh, well, I guess whatever. You know what I mean? I think this was you because I really liked it. And quite honestly, yeah, yes, the dialect is very old timey and thick. So is the dialogue in every Rocketeer story. They're all like that. You know? Yeah. And that's just part of the package that you're getting. And maybe you have to like that kind of stuff to accept this. I really liked it. And that's what I expect when I get into the Rocketeer. I thought the art was gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's God, very, he's good. Yeah. yeah. Man, so good. And I don't know. I, I think I was just more ready to do this again. And I really had fun with it. Was there a lot of surprises in the story? No. But again, that's kind of the rocketeer. That's what they do. And, and if he's guilty of anything, maybe he is being too slavish to Steven's old work. I'd accept that. But I'm giving this a buy. I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was really well drawn. Yeah, I mean, I thought the story worked really well. And I think that's yeah. part of the job when you're doing something like the rocketeer. Like, I get it. Wolverine's going to die, be reinvented. I'll do all kinds of new stuff with it. But Dave Stevens Rocketeer is Dave Stevens Rocketeer. And they are paying very close attention to the formula, to the, the character itself. And I thought he killed it. I thought he absolutely killed it by it. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, like I get, like I said, like there's nothing at all wrong with it. Like I finished it. I finished it. And I was like, this is 100% a competent, competently told and illustrated story. It just didn't wow me which doesn't make it bad. It just means that personally I was like, eh, so maybe your you, mileage may vary. Maybe you need to sit on the toilet for a little bit until you feel better. I know that's what my brother used to that's do. That's always the case. Always. How do I look like a hood ornament? Stand clear. What was that? Let's get out bright, shiny California and move to dark and spooky California in West of Sundown. Number one from Vault. This was written by Tim Seeley and Aaron Campbell with art by Jim Terry. Here is your solicit. A beautiful vampire must flee monster slayers in New York City and reclaim the ancestral soil that restores her undead flesh. But the world has changed since she was reborn in the New Mexico desert. And now Constance Darabend and her loyal assistant Dooley must adapt to life in the rough frontier town of Sangre de Moro. With blood of something. I don't know. Moro. <laughs> which is, translates to blood of Moro. A western tale of survival starring a cast of literary horrors from the diabolical minds of Tim Seeley, Aaron Campbell, and Jim Terry. I just talked about them. Tim Seeley is a guy we go back and forth on a lot here in the Ziggurat, <laughs> but when he's on, he can be one of the best horror writers in the business. Here, he's doing a vampire in the Old West story that just feels like classic 70s B-horror, and it had me on page two alone. Great scene. Back in the day, they would bury people with a little bell right? That was, it had a string yeah. that went in the coffin just in case that guy's not dead. That way you could pull yep. the string and be like, ah, I'm not dead. I woke up. <laughs> Something like that happens. And it's great. Terry's art it. is perfect for this gritty hammer film homage. And he does an excellent job illustrating the main character Ooh. fighting with his own morals as he helps a beautiful vampire as her servant. At first, he's very comfortable helping her find victims. He felt the Lord would probably punish for their actions anyway. But when they have to cross country to San Francisco, things get a little complicated. 
There's a dingy, dark look to the pages that reinforces Celia and Campbell's creepy script. Props to Campbell's variant cover, too, which got my cover of the week on our Instagram. It just looks like an old kick-ass horror movie. Yeah, it's really great. Everything about this comic felt like a well-written classic horror film. Fans of The Sixth Gun and historical Hellboy stories are going to feel right at home in this tale of a good man helping a monster that saved him from a war he never believed in. I'm giving this a buy it, and I am excited to read more. Yeah. Uh, Sixth Gun is a great comparison. Uh, like That's exactly how I felt when I, when I read it. I was like, oh, man, this is so good. Totally. This is such a fun, like, Civil War period era horror story yeah. with like Western trope. It's like, ah, uh, it, it, pu- it pushed all my buttons. Like I love classic vampire horror, like classic, like I have to sleep in a box full of dirt from the place I became a vampire. Yeah. It's like that kind of, like, I love that shit. And uh, I will say this, like, I know that you read the solicit and, and it probably explicitly stated it in the text but uh, i was very confused as to where this book was taking place most of the time because he was definitely an irish expatriate who somehow ended up fighting for the confederacy which i don't understand because where he um, lived he was he lived in the south i get yeah i mean well he lived he was in virginia well he was fighting in virginia yeah um it's conscripted yeah, but I mean, Virginia wasn't Confederate part of the Confederacy. Absolutely was. was. <laughs> yes. Virginia? Yeah, dude. It birth, was like one of the the South. Yes. George Washington's birthplace. Yeah, it was the South. They were growing right, cotton. They whatever. had slaves. They did it. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, they agreed to that. Uh, whatever. All right. Uh, he did own slaves. Yes, that's true. George Washington did own slaves. I love I love this uh, kind of like it's not like ooga booga jump scare gore horror it's just like gothic yeah. southern gothic horror slow like, uh, it, stare at it there it is yeah it's, it's awful. like yeah and it's like <laughs> yeah. And, and, the, and the fun thing is is that like constance miss constance, constance dare yeah. abend she's not that bad joe, <laughs> joe like she's good to- joe how many times do I have to explain to you? Vampires are children of Satan. They are the I walking mean, dead that prey on human blood. They are the baddest of bad but news. But she was nice to Dooley. See? You know, what, she only, they she only ate flanderers. They all have Robert a servant, Barons. Joe. That's part of the deal. They all have a servant. No, I know. <laughs> but, uh, I, but I liked that she, but I did like that she wasn't like this cackling, like, yes, my plan. Like, no, she just wanted to like live her life. It was very like interview with the vampire style, right? Where it's like, no, these guys are just trying to live. And I thought that that was great. The art is tremendous. Jim Terry. I'm not familiar with that guy. Um, I thought his art was great. It's a buy it. I really, really liked it. Uh, I, I am looking forward to more. Uh, Matt texted me like, in the middle of i don't remember what time of day it was yesterday he's like what's the sundown it's so good it was like and last like, night it, like I 10 o'clock <laughs> i didn't and i didn't read it until like midnight last night and i was like this comic it, he's right this comic is great it's actually- huge buy it loved it from the new mexico desert to the sands of mars it's x-men red number one from Marvel Comics. It's written by Al Ewing with art by Stefano Caselli. Here's your solicit. Who can save the red planet? The mutants of Araco 
Mars, spent millennia scarred by war. But on what was once called Mars, they are learning to live in peace. Storm knows the red planet needs something greater than a queen, but Abigail Brand has other plans, along with an unstable Vulcan on her side and Cable keeping his own secrets. Welcome to X-Men Red. It's a new world, dot, 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 and someone has to fight for it. So, Matt and I are both on record as saying we don't give a shit about Araco. Nope. Or pretty much any of the characters that came from there. None of them. <laughs> uh, I mean, I get like, I will make an allowance for the um, really scary chick that married Cypher because I think she's fun. Yeah, she's kind of cool. But here we have a new X-Book set on the newly terraformed Mars. And those weirdos are all over the damn place. But X-Men Red is also a sort of like Wild West, Deep Space Nine, Spaceport style sci-fi tale. And I am here for that. Uh, Al Ewing brings the political intrigue that we're used to from the other core X titles to the Red Planet. Storm is trying to build a new society here with a bunch of mutant outcasts, a group of completely foreign warriors, and a bunch of random aliens coming and going through the aforementioned spaceport. It's a fun idea. Sunspot owns a bar. And I like that the team that Ewing has assembled here. I am a sucker for Sunspot. Oh, yeah. Where's Cannonball? Don't get me started. We had that book already. We didn't really love it. But he's with his wife. I mean, he's got, you know, I know, I know. I get it. I'm excited to see what happens with the resurrected Thunderbird. And like, he was super angry and he had a huge chip on his shoulder. And he's like, tell Cyclops to go himself. Yeah, I like, love all of that stuff. I don't remember him being that big of a jerk. Oh, no. <laughs> Thunderbird Thunderbird was an asshole. Always? Thunder, yes. Really? Well, yeah, Matt. In the two issues he appeared in, yeah. He was a total prick? Uh, <laughs> I guess yeah, I don't remember. Thund all Thunderbird right. had a huge chip on his shoulder. He was like, yeah, oh no. He was an ass. And then he was like, he like defiantly let himself get blown up in that plane. I guess that's like, yeah, I guess that's true. Like they were Banshee is like Banshee's like, come on, let's go. I'm right here. Let's go. And he's like, no, is this what you want? Smash, smash, explode. And yeah, that was the death of Thunderbird. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I also happen to like cable. I know he's not everybody's favorite, but I think that the cable we have in modern day is a far cry from the yeah. um the quote unquote mysterious gun toting enigma from the 90s. Right. I'm also done with Kid Cable. Done. Done. Well, yeah, and Kid Cable's gone. Yeah. So whatever. It's fine. Uh, Vulcan. Vulcan is here, which is what it is. I don't love Vulcan, but Ewing embraces his crazy imperialist nature to fun effect. Like uh, he's running, he's walking around <laughs> the space board going, "I am your king." Like there's a Shiar guy just <laughs> yeah. in the bar, and he's like, "Bow to your king," and he's like. Uh, sir, actually, uh, it's really more, it's more complicated. What we're allowed to remember about your reign is kind of uh, complex. Like the Shi'ar have specific rules about what you're able to bring up about it. Well, he was and like, like Shi'ar space Hitler. Yeah, yes. He, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like, it's, he was not a good emperor. Abigail Brand is here as well. And we know from recent issues that she is not the friend she seems to be. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops as well. Rounding out the cast is Magneto. Uh, a broken old man trying to find some measure of peace and his new best friend who stepped out of the uh, uh, stepped out of an episode of Avatar the last day. <laughs> He's just like old fishing village, man. <laughs> 
there's a bit of a twist in the narrative at the end and storm zigs when I expect her to, to zag. So that'll be fun. Uh, I don't have too much to say about the art by Stefano Caselli. I've been a fan of his ever since his work on secret warriors way back in the day. He's only gotten better with time. He is so good. So, so good. X-Men red sets up an interesting new dynamic for some of my favorite mutant characters and the strength of the creative team, especially Al Ewing, who always does a lot of heavy lifting was enough to carry me through the parts of the story that I'm still hoping will win me over. I'm giving this a buy it because I liked it. I still don't care about Araco, but I'm willing to be persuaded. You may have sold me on it a little more with the whole Star Trek Deep Space Nine thing. I didn't really think of it that way, but thinking about it, it is there. It's definitely there. I also have a problem with I already think there's too many mutants, period. Right. Yeah. And now we've been now we've got a whole planet of even weirder mutants. And, the, and part of me yeah. just goes, ugh. <laughs> yeah, come on. I don't Sounds care. Right. I'm not learning anyone else's uh, name. Vaguely racist to me, Matt. No, it's more along the lines of like if you worked at a company where people are constantly getting fired, why should I learn anybody's name? Because chances are we're never going to see a lot of these characters ever again. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I mean, so that's why funny. learn their names <laughs> no i mean and i like i haven't i don't even know the name of exactly wife, so like there's a text page in here where it like sets up like the the crown of nine that ruled iraq or whatever and it's like was the queen of whatever until she yeah. and then <laughs> was there and like and i'm just like okay skip don't care you know like 100 that is 100 accurate don't I give a shit page, I, read, I was like do i need to read this page and i did right but I, for a second there, I was like, I could probably skip this page. Yeah, but like I, I will say the sunspot stuff was great. The Magneto stuff is really cool. I like where it they're is, going with that. Yeah. Uh, the James Proud star being back is awesome. I'm not sure why he's on Mars, but whatever. <laughs> you know? Oh, because he he can't he can't stand to be around any of the Krakoans. I guess. <laughs> I mean, sure, whatever. And not important. Yeah. And I like, you know, cable is sort of like the constable type thing, you know. Yeah, kinda. They're setting up some fun stuff here. And I think Ewing can have some fun with it. I agree. I maybe need to get over some of these feelings about these characters, but I just sorry, Marvel. You've trained me that every time you introduce new mutants, don't get attached to them. So <laughs> I mean, like to be perfectly fair, it's it's not the fault of any of the characters. No, it's just no. like uh, it's just like I'm already trying to keep track of so many spinning right. plates in the X universe right now right. that having this entire new uh, offshoot. Yeah, and I'm, characters that I'm just like it's too much. For I'm me. about to talk about like an, a br another brand new team right after this, so I'm going to give it a buy it because I did enjoy it and I think you sold me in, on the idea. Uh, I do remember the name of Pog or Pog, the um, six armed alligator man that yeah. talks, to, refers to himself in the third person because he's a delight. <laughs> Let's jump back to Earth, but only for a minute from Marauders number one from Marvel. It's $4.99. It's written by Steve Orlando with art by Eleonora Carlini and colors by Matt Melia. Here's your solicit. 
New team, new villains, new mysteries. Captain Pride and the Marauders are rededicating themselves to rescuing mutants wherever they may be and no matter how dangerous the odds against them are. But Captain Pride's crew is not yet complete. Against her better judgment, Pride comes face-to-face with the final Marauder. Cassandra Nova, one of the most infamous villains in mutant history, might be the Marauder's only chance to unravel a mystery stretching two billion years into the past. That's a lot of years. It's it's many years, yeah. The Marauder's mission continues in this very fast-paced issue. Is this a jumping-on point, you may ask? Well, yeah, but there will be some whiplash for sure. (laughs) There's a nice text page written by Bishop that explains why the new team is here. I should mention the new team, Dokken, Aurora, Somnus, who was new to me and has some dream powers, I guess. He's a new character. He's a relatively new character. Uh, I believe he is. His name is Carl, and he was really old, and they put him in a younger body. Uh, Somnus, there's something about Somnus that I'm, I'm forgetting. I want to say he's uh, like the first non-binary X character or something. I I, don't quote me on that. I'll I'll look him up. Psylocke is here, but it is the Asian assassin Psylocke who seems to have all the same powers, even though Betsy was separated from her body. So I don't. So it's Quanon, not Psylocke. It's, uh, but they call her Psylocke. Oh, that's weird. They Uh, refer to her as Psylocke. Betsy is is Captain Britain now. Right. Sorry. Cassandra Nova and Tempo round out the new crew. The only thing I don't like more than Tempo's weird time travel powers is her terrible costume. It is so bad. It's like just, all right, I'm wearing a gold costume with these weird dumb spikes on my head. Her costume is very bad. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Kitty and Bishop return to lead the team, and this time they're on the trail of a mystery that leads to the Shire and an old villain that we have not seen in years. The story moves from explaining to why Nova is here to outer space in almost no time. And Kitty and crew even have a very Captain Harlock looking spaceship. No clue where it came from, but I guess Forge whipped it up off panel. This is the first I've seen of Carlini's art, but it's very good. She's definitely manga inspired, but she still brings a very flashy, detailed X style to the comic. Mila's colors are amazing. The comic leads off with a panel of a pyrokinetic mutant that's lost control, and the heat of the flames is almost radiating off the page. It's beautiful. I like the Marauder's mission, and I don't mind the new team, but the first issue didn't just hit the ground running. It jumps straight into outer space after trying to sell us on Cassandra Nova joining the team. By the way, did you know that Cassandra is not technically a mutant? <laughs> yeah, she's got some kind of... This goes way back. They call to, her Mumadi or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes way back to right. like... Um, Morrison and, and yeah. uh, what Whedon did with her in Astonishing X Men. She's like a she's like, she's a like some sort of weird thing that entered. Par- yeah, like a psychic parasite right. or something. And right. it entered yeah. the womb and borrowed Charles's DNA, and that is why it has mutant power. Yeah. So, yep. Exactly right. Whatever. I'm giving this a skim it because I think it just needed to settle down a little bit and decide which story it wanted to tell. We can lead into the space stuff. We can get there. That's fine. But first, let's sell us on the new job. Let's sell us on the new crew. Then we can, you know, sow the seeds for the mystery that leads us into space, maybe. This was just a little too quick. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I don't know. 
I, I liked it. I, I didn't hate yeah, it. Like all the things you, all the things you said are accurate. Um, like Tempo's costume is just God, it's really bad. Like, and she's been wearing that same thing since 1991. Right. Like she is a terrible. That's a terribly designed character. Yeah, you could literally put her in a, in like a t-shirt and jeans, and I'd be fine with it. <laughs> it would be better. It would be yeah. better. Yeah, to be perfectly honest. Um. Yeah. No. It, um. You're right about all of that. Um, I, I don't know Somnus. Uh, I, it's not the non-binary thing, I, I, but he was created by Orlando, uh, and uh, he debuted in Marvel Voices Pride, number one. Uh, so he's like one of the, one of the first openly, uh, like, I don't know the, I don't know if he's got like a, well, that's, first that's great. And, I, and I'm all for it. Yeah, but I'm just saying that that's where, like, that's what is Dream t- Guy doing on the team? Um, I don't know, you know, I mean, that, I guess that's, we'll find out. Yeah. I mean, he's brand new. We got to give it, we got to, we got to sure. learn his whole deal. Sure. I don't really understand Cassandra Nova at all. I don't either, but I love Cassandra Nova. I think that she is like a really great villain. I don't know if I do. Uh, I, I, I kind of do. I kind of do. Uh, I think this art is fantastic. It's great. I really like, it's really good uh, looking. Uh, Carlini. Was that what Carlini? Yes. Uh, yeah, I think it's very, very good. Uh, the coloring is great. Like I, it, the whole package uh, visually, I thought was a treat. Um, I, I even love like I don't know why, but I even love Bishop's weird like tasseled scarf. Oh, he orange looks kick-ass. Coat. Yeah, like that dude. That dude came to slay. Okay, see, and that's um, one thing I will say. Like Kitty and Bishop look rad, and everybody else is just sort of like you know wearing their costume. Like Dawkins yeah. not wearing a shirt. Like <laughs> Dawkins, co- Dawkins costume is he wears no shirt. Yeah. That's not even a costume. But it, it, yeah, like Psylocke's wearing the same shit yeah. Psylocke has always worn. Um, Let's give them all sort of a pirate kind of, yeah, you know, it, right. Like why are, why, why aren't they wearing the, why aren't they, I guess Somnus kind of has that going on. Sort of. But why, yeah. why don't the rest of them have like that Kitty Pride or Bishop level yeah. like, redesign? Like, I think that would be great. Let's get into it. Let's um, make them pirates, you know, do it if you're going to do it. Uh, I, I mean, I agree with all the things that you said, but I, I guess I just latched onto it a little bit more. It's kind of the inverse of our reactions to the racketeer. Like to me, I was like, oh yeah, okay. I get it. I, I thought this was fun. I'm giving this a buy it tempo though. What do you think about the spaceship? Do you like how it's just like, oh, we got to go into cool. space. Boom. Spaceship. <laughs> like they made a big deal in the first Marauders about how they got the boat. There was two issues about how they got the boat. And well, that was but they, just like, a stole boat, the, <laughs> you know, it yeah, just, the boat doesn't I mean, even go into space, Joe. It just sails around. And in this, it's like, turn the page. We've got a spaceship, <laughs> you know, I, why? I mean, Matt, it's a comic book. I like, get it. That is not the sort of thing that's going to give me pause. It's like, oh, the characters need to go into space. OK, like that's the least of my worries. <laughs> they, and, and again, say one thing. Thanks, Forge, for making that spaceship. I sure. Go, no, I get okay. it. I understand. Yeah, no. I, I totally understand <laughs> where you're coming from. And even then I'm going to roll my eyes and be like, come on. <laughs> Look, <laughs> you have to get over your whole forge thing. Like that's his whole job. He's I get one it. job. But dude does not have super speed. If you want to know more about these comics, check out our show notes where you can find links for all the books we discussed. Matt, before we strip off our review jumpsuits, 
We need to pick one of these comics to enter the THN Permanent Collection. It's West of Sundown. I, mean, I didn't even have to think about it this week. That was the best comic book that I've read in a while. Like one of the best horror comics I've read in quite a while. Loved it. I liked it. I liked it a lot as well. I am certainly not mad at that pick, but for me, it's Astro City. That was then. I'm so happy to have that series back. Like I, I like I feel better knowing that Astro City's out there getting made. Sure. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I, I don't absolutely. Know. Uh, but yeah, great job all around. A lot of good books this week. Also a couple of puzzlers, but whatever. <laughs> As we tend to do after our review workout, it's time to head up to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where the Moloids will be rubbing down our aching muscles with some tiger balm so we can feel some deep heat while we tell you nerds about what we're reading for next week. Joe... What are you getting into next Wednesday, specifically April 13th? <laughs> specific. I'm glad you got specific. Yeah. <laughs> My pick for next week is X-Men 92, number one. Really? Yeah. <laughs> really? uh, I mean, I, just out of sheer curiosity more okay. than anything else. It's from Marvel Comics. It's written by Steve Fox with art by Salva Espen, who is a name I have not seen in a while. I like Salva Espen. Here's your solicit. The 90s are back again. Everyone's favorite 90s incarnations of the X-Men have returned, but this time everything is even all newer and all more different. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> well done. Mutant kind is taking a huge leap forward by founding their own nation on the island of Krakoa, guided by Professor X, Magneto, and a mysterious long-lived woman who knows more than she should. That's right. The 90s X-Men are tackling the Krakoan age 30 years early. What? And it's not... And it's not because it's 1992 Okay. and it's not going to go the way you expect. So the X-Men cartoon had, a, they did this thing where they would do multi-part adaptations of very famous yeah. comic book stories. Yeah. Like the dark Phoenix saga or uh, days of future past. It drove But they were nuts. way different. Yeah. And they weren't good. <laughs> Let's be uh, honest. And, they weren't and, good. Like, and, but they're doing it again with Krakoa, and I like, you know what? Okay. Like, look, we're all older and wiser. Let's see what they got. If they're going to ham it up a little bit and have fun with it, maybe I, I could get, maybe I can get down on that. We'll, we'll talk about it. I'm sure we'll review it and talk about it, but I hope they don't take it too seriously. You know, I hope they're just oh, like, certainly not. No, let's that, go. <laughs> this is not a, this is not a book that can be taken seriously. Yeah. No. My pick for next week is Kaiju Score colon Steel from the Gods. Number one. It's from Aftershock. It's $4.99. It's written by James Patrick with art by Rem Brew. Here's your solicit. Michelle is back. She has her own crew and she's making her own rules. Unfortunately, her tendency for getting into hot water still remains. And her involvement in that now infamous job in Florida known as the Kaiju Score is haunting her in many different ways. It's about to put her on a collision course with a new job, new characters, and of course, new monsters. The second volume of the critically acclaimed best-selling kaiju score, optioned by Sony Pictures, ladies and gentlemen. They don't just make Spider-Man movies, and they're not making Morbius movies anymore, so they gotta do something else. I, I, can't, wait for Kai, I can't wait for kaiju score to join the Sinister Six. <laughs> and just like last time, not everyone will get out alive! Written by James Patrick, who worked on Kempisi, The Dragon Incident, which that's we loved. The one, that's the one I liked, yes. He also wrote the first Kaiju score, which we really, yeah, really right. liked. I really like uh, Kaiju score. And illustrated by Rem Brew, who worked on the end times of Bram and Ben, Terminal Protocol, Kaiju score, Steal from the Gods, takes the crazy of the first volume to new heights of 
WTF exclamation point. So we loved the first Kaiju score. It was a ton of fun. It was about some people that figured out how to predict monster attacks. And in doing so, instead of saving the world and saying, we'll just tell everybody the monster's coming, we'll be the heroes. Nope. They go, we're going to rob this place that's right there. <laughs> and it's great. It's a, you know, a classic caper score type story with a, with a bunch of uh, shady characters that just happen to be, uh, in this one, it looks like stealing from gods. So totally in rem brew by the way super talented love that guy can't wait to read this the thn trade of the week goes to aerosmith hardcover volume one so smart in their fine uniforms it's from image comics it's 24.99 it's written by kurt busiek with art by carlos pacheco and here is your solicit the return of a classic, an oversized, fully remastered collection of the fantasy adventure epic to accompany the all-new series, which we reviewed and enjoyed. Young Fletcher Aerosmith learns the true cost of war in an alternate history where dragons and magic spells are as much a part of World War I as bullets and barbed wire. This edition, in hardcover for the first time, will present the art as Pacheco originally intended. I don't know what that means. I don't either. Upside but, hey. down. I think it's going to be upside down. <laughs> upside down. Uh, this collects the entire original uh, miniseries, Aerosmith, Volume 1, 1 through 6. Check it out. We love Aerosmith here in the Ziggurat, oh, yeah. and we ain't talking about the rock band. It is so good. You can find links to these picks in our show notes, and we always post our must-read picks on our Twitter and our Facebook every Wednesday, so you can make an informed buying decision at your local comic book store. But... You got to let us know. What did you think of our picks? Are we way off here? Joe, where's a good place for these kids to do that? You know what? You can do that on our Facebook uh, fan group page. I was going to say cover to cover. <laughs> a THN cover to cover. Yeah. Uh, T- there's lots of places, though. THN cover to cover is probably the best place to rap with us. Mono e mano, so to speak. In the virtual ziggurat. <laughs> okay. Hand to hand. Yeah, you know. No, I mean, doesn't mano a mano mean like, well, I know it means hand to hand. These are manos, buddy. <laughs> yeah, mano a mano have like fisticuffs, you know? <laughs> I guess. Sorry, mano a mano yeah. is not then the correct phrase, but you know what I mean. promise we're almost done but before we return you to your regular programming we want to give you a taste of what you get when you support thn for as little as a dollar a month here's a peek of this week's thn extra take a look it's in a book club welcome to another exciting edition of take a look it's in a book where joe and i invite matt 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 but it's take a look it's in a book club oh, not just you and me anymore pardon me this is the take a look it's in a book club that's why these people are sitting at the end of our ridiculously long vladimir putin desk over there yeah right? in case you're wondering what these weirdos <laughs> were doing here yes we've invited two unfortunate guests to the ziggurat to join us today where um i'm just gonna call my shot here none of us have kids right Brian has kids. Brian has kids. At least one of us has kids. That's Jason good. Jason also has kids. I, I have my. I have kids. My kids are grown. But oh, I didn't know you guys had kids. kids for some reason. I, so just Joe and I are the only two. What that kind of friend are you? Have no reason to be talking <laughs> about a children's I, book. You know. <laughs> I don't know these things. I don't look at the. My, you're a my, terrible friend. You my know oldest is a doctor. doctor I don't look Sachs, at the faces so I mean. book. What can I say? Speaking of Jason Sachs, we'd like <laughs> hey, to welcome no. the THN historian, Mr. Jason Sachs. Say hello to the kids, Jason. Hey, kids. And by the way, uh, 
although I'm your Putin-like assistant, I don't recommend an invasion of Ukraine. Well, no, thank you. We're not real interested in that. Okay, we think we've got a pretty good idea how this is going to go. All right, <laughs> <laughs> we've got it. We've we've got all the territory we can handle right now. Also joining us today, cover to cover stalwart, Mister Brian Domingos. Brian, say hello to everyone. Hey now, everybody. I brought my own non-poison snacks. Hey! So I'm, I'm fine on my side of the table. <laughs> there you go. Yes. He knows, Smart what's kid. Up. He knows what it is to your, come to a... Your snacks look really good, but I've got a bad feeling about them. Smart so, kids. Yeah. If you drop I'll dead before Cover to Cover ends, we know, like, well, we're not inviting them back, are we? Jeez. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's get into I, it. Today, we're here to talk about Sword of Super. That's S-O-R-T, not Sword of Super. So, just so you know. It is written and drawn by Eric Gapster, friend of the show. This book came out from Aladdin Publishing on March 22nd. It is 240 pages. It's available in Comixology, in hardcover, and floppy. So this is suggested for reading ages 8 to 12, so it's perfect for guys like Joe and I. And grade levels 3 through 7. Here is your uh, solicit for the book. It's a little long, but stick with it. Awkward by Svetlana Chernovka meets Hilo series in the first book in a funny, lighthearted, new middle grade graphic novel series about a boy struggling with new superpowers at middle school. I'm guessing those two things they named are popular with kids in school. Hilo is by, um, isn't it by Taki Soma? That it's sounds Judd right. Winnick. It's Judd Winnick and Taki Soma, I think. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's Judd Winnick's like all ages graphic novels. Gotcha. Eleven-year-old oh. Wyatt Flynn had something amazing happen to him. He got superpowers, good ones too, like super flight, super strength, and super speed. The only problem, Wyatt got his superpowers totally by mistake, and his dad, who's been overprotective since Wyatt's mom disappeared, thinks he's too young for them and worries what would happen if everyone found out. So he makes Wyatt hide his powers, sort of a Superman type thing when he was a kid. Keeping such a huge secret from his best friends, Beto and Nera is bad enough, but not being able to use his new abilities to defend them from the biggest bully at school makes Wyatt feel useless and frustrated. But his little sister thinks the good his powers could do is more important than following dad's rules. Slowly, the two of them become a dynamic crime-fighting duo right under their dad's nose. Lying to his dad isn't much easier than lying to his friends, but Wyatt must be able to make a difference in the community and maybe even find mom that makes it all worth it right so there we go we got a superboy kind of setup um you've got an interesting sort of single parent family there's a mystery there that they're building on but still single parent family which i thought was kind of cool uh grandma is in this book to help along right as I mentioned, Eric Gapster, friend of the show. He's the artist and illustrator of this. He lives over in eastern Iowa with his wife, and he has two sons. I'm guessing both of those kids were sort of melded into Wyatt. His work can be seen in DC, Image, and Marvel Comics. We all have some background reading this guy's stuff, right? We know who this dude is. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he hasn't... He, he's done some stuff that maybe you've read, but he's not the... like. Eric is a really talented guy, but like he's not had any like major breakthrough work. I don't believe. Right. It looks like he worked on like the flash season zero, which was sort of based on the TV it's show. The TV show. Right. Yeah. He did. He some- works with Phil Hester a lot on inks. He does a lot of inking. That, right? that's, okay. that's mostly where I know him from. So yeah. this and is- just a, another correction this time uh, on uh, my, my error, Brian was right. Hilo is just Judd Winnick. I was thinking of whatever that Bendis graphic novel was, uh, all ages graphic novel thing he did was. Gotcha. Exhaustion. 
That is it for TGN 661. Next week, the Cosmic Long Box will once again open and pull us into the comic time stream where it forces us to discuss classic back issues based on a theme. Joe Patrick, what is the theme that we literally just came up with? <laughs> we did. I mean, to be fair, you had the idea a little earlier, but yeah. it did come just tonight. Uh, basically, the theme is... These are characters that wear their names on their shirts. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Other ways to think about it, it does what it says on the box. The job is in the name. Yeah. We're talking about characters like The Punisher. Sure. He punishes. Big We're talking wheel. about He rides a big, big wheel. wheel. He rides a big wheel. <laughs> yeah. You know? So no super no Supermans, no Batmans. Nope. Like these are characters whose names describe their motifs. Yeah, they're, the job is in the name is what we're going to call it. Yeah, the job is in the name. <laughs> yeah. If you want to rap about this week's episode, comics you read, or any of the weekly nerdy news we're following, hit us up on our live call-in show, THN Cover to Cover, every Saturday at 11 Central Time. It's hosted on our Facebook page. You can check out our posts on Facebook on Thursdays with some previews of the news, stuff we want to talk about, but more importantly, the question of the week. That's right. And this week's question was submitted by Harvey Locust. He wants to know what is your favorite comic book that's not in a standard size format? So not Silver Age, not Golden Age, not current size. We're talking about comic books that break the bounds of convention. They are really tall, really narrow, you know, oddly shaped. Oddly shaped comic books. Printed on gum. For some reason. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, you know, whatever. Uh, please keep your question of the week suggestions coming. We appreciate them. We thrive on them and we use them if they're good. If they're not good, we won't say so. Yeah, we just won't use them. Yeah, we'll just quietly ignore them. Yeah. If you want to play along with Cover to Cover Live, you can join our Zoom by clicking on the link in our Facebook Live video chat. And if you can't be there live, shoot an MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com or leave a message on the THN hotline. That's 402-819-4894. And you could be internet famous. Remember to keep your recorded messages to two minutes or less and share the air with the live callers. There are always a lot of them. And uh, yeah, we ain't here for no three hour show. Sorry. We got we got wives. If you're new to the show and you think your time would be better served memorizing the name of every single ex-Martian mutant out there, then listen to any more. I assure you, it's only because you have not heard enough. The good news is you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital long box archive at twoheadednerd.com. THN is a listener-supported podcast. It would not be possible without the generosity of Australian donors like Jimmy Randall, co-founder of the THN Facebook fan group and official founder of the ex Arakaki fan page. I don't know if you knew that. He loves yeah, the, him. the ex Arakaki fan Some page. Martian uh, mutants. <laughs> uh, now, Jimmy, Jimmy gets this week's honor because um, he... I think has uh, increased his pledge as many of you have, and we appreciate you. And that's why he's getting today's shout out. Um, I say, I think because it's all in Australian funny money. So yeah. I'm not real sure to tell. what the like exchange rate a weird is. Weird little squiggle after their money. I don't even know. Been- he, he may in fact have lowered his pledge in the same fashion that, that water be. goes down the toilet, the opposite direction down it there. It could be, but so, if, you, if you like what you hear every week, it's easy to support the show. Just like Jimmy does. You can sign up to be a patron at patreon.com backslash two headed nerd. 
where you will hear all kinds of exclusive content. We just talked about some. Or if you're a crazy person and maybe you've like just got some money you got to get rid of, right? The government's coming for it. So do something with it. Just click our one-time we'll donation via PayPal. Send it all our way. We won't tell anybody where it came from. If you're in a Brewster's Millions-style scenario and you just need to, like, buy something to earn a fortune. Oh, I was thinking like maybe you were laundering some cartel money or something. Well, that's, know? I mean, that's one, that's one way to go. A very like Ozark it, kind of situation. Yeah. You know? Like if you're, if you're in a Richard Pryor conundrum and you need to like spend a bunch of money to get a bunch of money, we got a PayPal no button further, just for that. All right. Look no further. Before we go, our weekly shout out goes to the THN forums. Uh, we recently loaded the forums onto a canoe the Molades carved, pushed it into an underground river in the caverns, and fired a flaming arrow into its corpse so it may join the other forums in the halls of Valhalla. It served us well. Yeah. We met a lot of you through the forums. We met a lot of football bots out there, there too. <laughs> we met a lot of European football bots. Uh, but we, to be fair, we did start up a forum about 10 years after sure. the demise of forums. The SEO that those bots are using to get to a comic book forum, though, it, it, that's surprising. It's, you know, it's wild. It's surprising. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just DDoS your website. This is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. <laughs> <laughs>